Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming the captivating CEO of the UK and International Health Coaching Association, Isabella Natrins. Isabella passionately enlightens us on the power of health coaching to empower people to take control of their well-being. We delve deeply into how health coaching goes beyond merely providing information. It facilitates lasting behavior change. Isabella compellingly conveys how health coaching works synergistically with medicine, nutrition, fitness, and more to support whole person healing. You'll be fascinated to hear how Isabella's own health crisis catalyzed her transition from high-powered consultant to health coach and eventually CEO of this pioneering organization. Her ambitions? To accelerate the integration of health coaching into public health to proactively tackle today's chronic disease epidemic. I found myself nodding along vigorously as Isabella spelled out a bold vision for a preventative health creation woven throughout society. This is an episode brimming with insight from an influential leader blazing the trail for health coaching as a crucial key to empowering healthy, happy living. So I hope you enjoy this episode and you'll be inspired to take charge of your vitality. Please leave your reactions in the comments below. I appreciate all your thoughtful feedback. Welcome to another edition of The Art of Living Proactively and my guest today, Isabella Natrins. How are you doing, Isabella? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. And Isabella is the... I'm trying to remember your, your role. Is it chairperson? CEO. We haven't CEO. yet got a chairperson, but we will. <laughs> I'm the CEO. Yes, I am. I always still think of it as the UK Health Coach Association, but it's International Health Coach yeah, Association. Yeah, yeah, it so, is. And so what was the reason for, for the change? Well, since our inception in 2018, we were the UK Health Coaches Association or Health Co Coaches Association. Uh, but we have always... Um, approved schools abroad internationally so many of the american schools the big american schools we approved their courses and admitted graduates from different countries and there came a point where we were having so many people and so many more courses that were being approved internationally that it just felt like it wasn't quite the right you know name for us so we decided to become international and really make a point of saying we are based in the UK, you know, those are our roots, but um, actually health coaching is a global issue. It's a global solution to, to a lot of the problems that we have and are, are seeing it's being experienced, you know, these days around the globe. So we wanted to encourage a professionalism, a community and enterprise around the globe. And we also changed the name slightly from Health Coaches Association to Health Coaching Association. And the reason for that was because we saw that the growth of this discipline of health coaching wasn't just going to be confined to coaches who were being um, trained to be professional coaches and that's their main um, job of work, but also all healthcare practitioners at every level really needed to understand that if they really were to make a difference in the way that they were delivering their specialist care to patients and, 
at their clients, uh, they needed some coaching skills themselves to open those conversations with their patients and then hopefully to be working with um, a professionally trained coach who would take the patient or client onwards through their journey. So we took a step a couple of years ago to um, rebrand ourselves uh, in that way. And I have to say it was a really good and timely move. Um, and we have a lot of support from huge variety of professions around around the world, but also, you know, within the UK, uh, disciplines who are joining us as clinical health coaches, if you will. They need to satisfy the membership criteria. So we have, they can come through an approved course, nine, 12 month course, increasing number actually of, of doctors and very busy health professionals are taking that route. But we also recognize that actually there are a lot more who are um, very, very obviously very skilled and knowledgeable about the health piece, but maybe they uh, have done their own training, their own reading, uh, you know, self-directed learning, or maybe they've taken a series of courses that on the health coaching side, on the coaching approach, which we haven't endorsed as, as, as one of our approved courses, but nevertheless are very relevant. So we created a portfolio route for those uh, professionals who could bring their, their qualifications, their experience um, to the table and be assessed uh, in a portfolio a process which uh, is based upon our standards and which then if they, you know, if they're above the line and they meet the requirements, then we welcome them with open arms into the association to begin their journey with us. And um, if they don't quite, you know, get over the line, we offer them a, a personal CPD direction where we point them to the gaps that, you know, they have and then um, welcome them back when they've gone off and done a bit more and, uh, and come back to us. So that's the reason, really. We wanted to recognise the globality is there a word globality global approach um and also the, the you know the depths of, of health coaching as well as coaches how often is there a lot of people I mean, i've been a health coach now for a couple of years and i sometimes still get asked well, what is a health coach There's, there seems to be a real lack of under well i guess it's such a new thing still in the uk mm, yeah. so how would you answer that question what is a health coach um I, can't, I probably would start by saying what a health coach is not, you know, and a health coach is not a clinician unless they have another scope of practice. Many do, so they could also be a nurse or a physiotherapist or indeed a doctor or an oncologist, uh, an aesthetist. Um, what they're not, it, they don't, they're not an expert in a treatment they don't treat they don't diagnose they don't offer advice this is the role of the expert if they have um, an additional scope or scopes of practice then they can are free to do that but we want and we make a big point of making sure that our members and coaches understand the difference between the coaching role and the expert role 
So as an expert, I'm wearing my hat, I'm offering advice, I might recommend treatments, I might refer people to, you know, onwards and, and upwards for, for treatments. Uh, as a coach, I wouldn't do any of that. What I would do is open a conversation with that same client, asking them what is important for them in their health, what is it that they want their health for. Uh, I would uh, talk to them about how they're living their life. I'd explore with them whether they can see within their own lifestyle elements which might be impacting on the way they feel and on their health, if they've come with a health condition, for instance. I wouldn't treat that health condition, but I would hope to be working with a primary uh, practitioner who would be maybe a nutritionist, maybe a GP, maybe a, a consultant who is, is actually treating that person. My job is to empower them, self-empower them to see that by looking into their own lives and the way that they're living, their motivation, their feelings about their position, they have answers. And my job is to help them explore those answers and create, co-create with them a plan of how they might make changes in their lifestyle, uh, how they might uh, address challenges to making ch changes very hard for people. We like our habits, you know, even though we know our habits are not great and they may be contributing to the way, you know, that we're not living our best lives, it's hard to change and it's hard to be consistent. If you have a coach, they're an ally, a health coach particularly, because they bring their coaching skills to your health and to the health landscape rather than an executive landscape or a business or a, you know, whatever, career coach. We bring our skills to that health landscape and we help those people understand, people that come to us, whether they're patients or in the private sector, clients or in the employment sector, employees. How do I become more self-reliant, more resourceful? What steps can I take? What can I do to plan and prepare for challenges? How can I keep my motivation going? And we don't want that motivation to come from the coach, we initially maybe so, but we want them to find their own intrinsic motivation, which is why the question what is it that you want your health for is so important. And we, we try and help people keep that front of mind so that when there are lapses or they come back for another session and things haven't got so well, we can go back and say, okay, why are we here? What is it that you're really, really here for? And, you know, what can I say? It works. That's what coaches do. You know, it's very skilled. It's not just about changing behavior. It's not just about saying, don't do this, do that, and let's put some steps in along the way. It's much deeper. Skilled health coaching is transformational. It transforms that person's approach to their lifestyle, to themselves, to the way they see themselves as a, um, an autonomous agent in society. And my goodness, we get all of that very much socialized out of us don't we you know in the process especially around health you know we we kind of give our health to somebody else to take care of 
It's not about blaming, but it is about saying, my God, you can not only be, take an equal part in your relationship with your healthcare providers, but you can actually lead it in many ways. And that's what I think health coaching is about. It's also about the whole person. So it's not just about diet or sleep or, um, you know, making a few recommendations, but it's, you, we all know that our lifestyle, what we eat, how we move, what, how we rest, how we um, have, you know, our relationships, our ability uh, and skills to manage stress in our lives, um, our sense of community, all of those things all interact at every level with each other to create our lived experience. And the coach's job is to help us get to the nitty gritty of those elements that might be impacting on our health and help us make changes. It's a long answer, Tony, but it's a deep, deep discipline. <laughs> oh, and something that I've noticed in the last few years, I mean, I've been doing this podcast for about five years and during that time, I've had many doctors, psychologists, um, many, many different healthcare professionals as guests. And it's really surprised me how many of them are also health coaches. Yeah. And you, and you sometimes, I mean, when I, when I first came across it, I was thinking, why would a GP become a health coach? But I mean, and, and you mentioned it when you were talking before about the, you know, the international aspect of, of the association. So why, what is your... Why do you think so many healthcare professionals are also becoming health coaches as well? Well, <clears throat> I suppose it's a big, big question, and each individual will have their own reasons. But what I can, I can't tell you why I think they are, but I can tell you what happens when they do. Right. And um, as I've said, we have an increasing number of GPs and clinicians generally, but not just GPs and primary. Uh, physicians, but actually oncologists, rheumatologists, anesthesiologists, I can't say that, <laughs> anesthesiologists, um, uh, surgeons are trained as health coaches. So they're not just using health coaching, or not only using health coaching skills, but they've elected to actually do the professional training. And I think my understanding for when they report, when I talk to them, uh, is that they see that giving people information is not enough. Telling people what to do doesn't work. Yeah. Um, writing prescriptions or treatment protocols and plans is only part of the story. What they really want to do is make help that individual to better health. And they see that that involves that coaching approach where they're both an expert and very powerfully um, making recommendations for what that person can do in terms of treatments or surgeries and helping them really make the change and become that self-empowered individual who isn't just give as a clinician say giving me all the responsibility, but they're in that conversation with me. I'm helping them to understand that as a doctor or a, a nurse or a physio, I don't know everything. I might be an expert in my field, hmm. but I'm not omnipotent. Well, there is so, there's so much that we don't know, so much that we do know. And together, 
you and I, as a as a therapeutic in that therapeutic relationship, can make a huge difference. So, their experience then is that they are um, their job satisfaction goes up. The outcomes that they get for their patients go up. Their patients get very different experience of care. Um, the, the system that they're working in changes slowly over time. And we always say that health coaching is transformational. It transforms a patient's outcomes. It transforms their experience of care. It transforms you as a, as a clinician, your experience of giving that care and your job satisfaction. And it transforms the health system that you're working in. And as we see now, we're seeing um, NHS health and wellbeing coaches coming into the system in, in quite huge numbers. So there's 1,500. So a plan for many, many thousands more really going forward. And um, these are these are full-time health coaches. How wonderful it is that they will be working with an increasing number of doctors who get it, you know. And there's nothing more powerful than a doctor that gets health coaching is able to open a consultation, whether they're a GP or a you know a, a consultant, with coaching with a coaching approach. And we at the association do a lot of role plays so that we show clinicians how this is done. And and the role plays are done by clinicians themselves, um, you know, oncologists, rheumatologists, oh, whole you know, GPs. And uh, then they can give, um, you know, they, they go on to uh, refer to a health coach that's working with them uh, so that that person really gets that joined up care. Right. I think that's why they they want to do it. And when they do it, they see how powerful it is. And yeah. it's no stopping us now. <laughs> and some of the things you you just talked about, I mean, I know this week, well, I think it may have even been yesterday, you released the the, the white paper. Yeah. And what what was the reason for that and what do you hope that's going to achieve? Wow, what was the reason for it? Um, if I'm honest, a deep sense of frustration <laughs> that we have a powerful solution to the many, many problems that we, that our population's health is failing. Well, it's failing globally, really, in, in developed countries. And many of us who, who are interested in that field understand the reasons why. But our population in Britain particularly, you know, the, our health is failing. Um, that failing health is impacting on every sector of society. So it's health impacting not only on those individuals who are suffering failing health, but it's impacting on our um, communities. It's impacting on our health system and health services. It's impacting on the people who are delivering those health services because they're exhausted and overwhelmed. It's impacting on um, the economy through people not being able to work because they're either off sick or they're on long-term sick or they're struggling to work with one or two or three chronic health conditions. It's impacting on um, a sense of well-being at work. So we see all of this plethora of um, um, reports coming out about the importance of employee 
well-being and its impact on productivity. Well, you tell me how you can have well-being at work when, when physically you're not well and you're struggling with those issues and the whole social thing that comes around uh, with um, a diagnosis of, of diabetes of cancer, one in two of us will have that diagnosis, we know. Um, of those, a huge number of us will be of working age. Of those, the fastest growing trend, if you will, for cancer diagnosis is amongst younger people now of, I don't know, I believe it's something like 35 to 50, mid 50s, that kind of age group. These are frightening statistics, you know, mm. and they keep coming out and they keep coming out. The solution seems to be um, do more testing or um, give more information or um, have bigger and better gizmos that are going to treat people once. So we're always at the point of treating people. We're saying stop. We need primary prevention. We need to give people a much better sense of health literacy. We need to, you know, our population, the average reading age of adults in the UK is nine years old. Nine years old. People with lower uh, literacy have more health issues. Okay. Every adult, no matter how well uh, they read, how educated they are, has difficulty in understanding, processing health information. So we know that not only literacy, but health literacy is hugely important. If you don't know how your body works, if you don't know the key things that, you know, we would like you to know and understand how can you be an active agent in your own care you can't you're a recipient of yet another thing that's being done to you yeah mm. we don't want people to be in that position going forward well and that's made much worse by all the misinformation and disinformation around as well, exactly yeah exactly any number you know, dr google um were were it a real person would be you know Elon Musk forget it because you know people would be really 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 on there all the time um, I yeah so your question what motive so that's that's the landscape okay right. and lots and lots of um, very good papers that are uh, that have been published that uh, we've looked at such a range of them and they're all saying the same thing things need to change we need to move to prevention we can't afford the the human cost of this, the misery, you know, of, of people being ill and facing a future of not, you know, of, of you know, a quite depressing future, really, of, of chronic health conditions and long-term major conditions. We, the, the economy can't afford it. Human society can't afford it. So we say, well, why aren't we using... A diff let's look at fresh thinking let's look at how do we stop this rot so to speak how do we get in at the point of supporting people not to have that diagnosis and if they do have it let's look at how we can stop that condition from escalating or getting worse and we know it's not giving people more information we know that it's actually getting them to understand how to change and sustain behaviour. And um, so that's the point of the, um, you know, the report, really. 
So we, we looked at a whole bunch of papers. We looked to say, well, what is it about the approaches that those papers are recommending that are congruent with our position as health coaches? And there is such a lot of congruence, but the language is slightly different. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to say, look, here's policy framework. It's got to be cross-sector. It's got to include all the sectors where humans operate because human health doesn't stop when you get to work, you know. So we have the physical activity sector, the employment sector, social prescribers, um, uh, the, the, the whole of the clinical medicine, the whole of the um, health education sector, if you like. All of us have got to join hands, step out of our silos and say, we need to work together. And there is a common denominator and it is health coaching. So it's not necessarily, although I'd love it to be, the UKI HCA, the Health Coaching Association. It is health coaching and we stand for both. And so that's what that's about. Uh, that's what motivated the paper, policy framework, um, a, an exploration of how health coaching can support all these different sectors and a whole bunch of recommendations of what can be done. So I know your aim is to get it out to, to as many people as possible. So what do you hope will come from this paper? Well, we hope to open conversations. Right. Um, our launch strategy, I mean, we, we are a non-profit. Um, we, uh, we don't have huge budgets. You know, we, we, um, we do this to, to really support our members and to open the doors for health coaching to be accepted as a profession as a powerful discipline. So we hope to get, um, we will get support, we already have got support from uh, the political arena. Uh, Lord James Bethel, who is a member of the House of Lords, when he understood what we wanted to do, quickly offered um, a, a forward. We know that James is very, very active in the preventive space. Um, he has written um, or is part of um, a, a team that's um, uh, written a paper which we um, profiled really in, in, the, in, in our report. And uh, we hope and know that James will open doors at the political level, mm -hmm. which of course this is about policy, it's about lobbying, it's about saying, you know, come on, we need you, you need us desperately need us and here are some solutions uh, our social media campaign um, will go on throughout 24 uh, bringing um, the whole thing back to the table we have um, a series of internal campaigns to help our health coaches get behind this we have our schools who are going to get behind this uh, when I say our schools that approve schools that are are producing health coach graduates. We have all of the medical and um, uh, clinical professions who we're drawing their attention to, and there'll be articles and co-authored articles. Already we have those kind of in the pipeline coming. So we plan to make a noise about this to everybody that is implicated in our white paper, all of those different sectors. We know the physical activity sector has been beating at the door of uh, health for many years, saying, let us in, 
we're part of health. Um, of course, everybody understands that, but somehow in our kind of human psyche, we see uh, at the physical activity, sports sector, PTs, you know, personal trainers being something that happens over there when people go to a club or a leisure center or whatever, you know. It's not really to do with health, it's to do with fitness. And, you know, it's right. how, you know, how, whatever the word is, how fit, how stoked can I be? But actually, it's about health, and we we don't need any more information to tell us that we're not moving and it's killing us. So here's a sector saying, "Well, let us in," and we say, "Come through the door with us," right. because we believe that um, that a health coach working with a physical activity professional in whatever context will make a powerful difference to the people that they work with. So we know we've got their support. And we've already having conversations with the great and the good, you know, from their sector who are saying, yeah, let's really make a noise about this. Um, and so it's wonderful to have that. Um, social prescribing too. Uh, we know that social prescribing has got a lot of support in the UK. Uh, GPs love it because it's helping people get back into their communities. Uh, we, But social prescribers are not experts in behavioural change. They're not right. experts in that kind of um, much deeper level of conversation. But those two roles need to work together very closely. And we know that in the NHS, um, the R's roles, the um, additional, um, what do they call additional roles scheme, R scheme, uh, uh, the NHS supports um, salaries for social prescribers and for health coaches. We believe that these two um, roles need to work together much, much more closely to get the benefit for the people that they're supporting. Um, so we think that this is going to be a game changer. It's not going to change the world tomorrow, I wish it would, but it means that we're saying very clearly, here's our stake in the ground. Health coaching is at the epicentre of a paradigm shift towards prevention, towards proactive care towards health creation that's what we want to achieve by it well, i mean as you were saying that i was thinking right so i'm gonna i want to attach the white paper in the show notes to this episode and um, i know there's a number of health coaches pts many people across the board listen to this this podcast so i wonder if we should ask everyone listening to to download that white paper and to, to distribute it to as many people especially oh, yes. to pts to other to other pts in yeah, their gyms yeah. and health coaches to send it to doctors maybe they're working with and or maybe everyone should to download it and send it to people they know but but if they were to do that what what would they say to the person they send it to why should they read this well um there are some, I mean, the rationale, the introduction um, actually sets the scene for that, you know, right. so just reading that in itself will give somebody the words, the vocabulary, the, the ammunition, if you like, to say, I'd love you to read this because, boom, 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 boom. But we're also having a series of webinars, so I think, Oh dear, let me see the dates. It's um, kind of mid-December. Um, we will we have um, uh, a members only, a UKIHCA members webinar where we're going to be explaining 
uh, it's a briefing on the white paper explaining how it works, what to do with it. We've got a webinar in January which will take themes from that white paper and show members how they can um, use it to uh, promote the paper, promote health coaching, and indeed, if they're working independently to promote their own businesses and, you know, pitch, if you like, to say exactly what you're saying. Here's a paper. This is what I do. This is why I should read it. And this is why I should value me, that kind of stuff. Hmm. We have a briefing for schools to do the same thing with their students who will be coaches in any number of months' time when they've graduated. And I think it's towards the end of January, we have an open webinar briefing for everybody um, that wants to sign on, you know, to register for it, to explain exactly that. This is what the white paper's about and this is why you should read it. And I suppose the other thing that I could recommend for your listeners is to follow us on our social media, you know, find us, follow us and look out for our posts because exactly what you said will be coming up in our posts again and again. No good just telling people, look, here it is, we've worked hard, you know, love it. We have to, we have to persuade them to read it, persuade them with some of the um, copy from it, you know, some of the quotes, some of the statistics, some of the rationales and arguments for why somebody in the physical activity sector really needs to understand how health coaching can help them as a, a PT. Um, my uh, son, one of my sons is a PT. He gets coaching, he uses a coaching approach, um, but everybody can use a coaching approach. You don't have to do uh, the full training. If you do, it gives you a fabulous, deep skill set. But your, if your focus is on personal training, then why not hook up with a health coach? Why not petition in your gym, David Lloyd, Virgin, to employ health coaches to work with you and get better results? And this is how we get people going back to gyms, isn't it? You know, yeah. not just because, oh, like, I haven't been for three weeks and my trainer's going to get cross with me and the cat's got a cold and, you know, little Johnny needs football on that particular session that I'm booked in for. So now they fall away. You know, it's the motivation of going back and having those two um, frameworks, really. One, which is around your physical getting well and being the kind of physical person you want to be. The health coaching supports that the behaviour change, the, 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 the mental health aspect, if you like, of, of understanding why it's so important to be that person that you really want to be. Your, your passion for health coaching is, is very evident in, in everything you've said over the last half hour. So I'm wondering, what, what was it got you into it in the first place? Me? Well, because my health got, was falling over, let me tell you. Um, so I... Uh, in you know I've had a career in health generally uh, for many years many many years too many years really and um, I got to a point where I was working so hard um, uh, that I knew I was becoming ill and ultimately I got um, a, a diagnosis of arthritis and then psoriatic arthritis which is an autoimmune condition and I just thought, I've got to stop this. You know, 45,000 miles a year. 
as a as a as a consultant, management consultant, both in the health space and in other sectors, was really taking its toll. So I stopped and I thought, well, I want to do something that I really love, which was, you know, I've got a huge um, history uh, um, of cooking in our family. You know, so we have chefs and um, food has always been, my parents are European, so um, food has always been huge for us. And uh, I thought, well, I can, I want to learn to, I can reasonable cook, but I'd like to go and learn professionally. So I chose Ballymaloo Cookery School in Ireland um, uh, because uh, it was an organic um, farm. It was set on an organic farm. And it's about traditional French culinary techniques, but it's taught in a kind of family um, you know, table. So we don't do sauces one week and meat another week and something else another week. And it's all about a menu. It's all about how to put food together on the table that is nutritious, delicious, looks beautiful, and how to learn all the classical techniques of getting it there. And um, I I suppose I went because I wanted to be smart. I, I didn't want to be a chef. I don't think anybody would employ me to be a chef. Um, at all, but I just wanted to learn. And when I got there, I, I guess I kind of wanted the plating up, you know, with the presentation. And I thought, well, I want to do those smears that, you know, they do. And the Heston style thing, when you take the, 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 the cover off, you've got a fish that's kind of smoking something, you know, and or anyway, January the something, fifth, I think it was, found me in Ireland worst winter they'd ever had two feet of snow everywhere digging a hole in a field to get soil so that we could be taught about this is where our health starts in this soil and I thought oh my god why have I come here this is not what I want I want the smears and the smoking fish but believe me Tony within a few days I thought wow what have I come to? This is life-changing. And it did. It changed my life. So I did my training, came back and thought, um, uh, I actually did the training with, I'd had knee surgery for arthritis and it was all a bit, uh, it was all a bit painful. But coming back, I thought, right, I'm going to change everything about what I do. I started a small cookery school of my own for real food, you know, what to do with a real chicken not the little, you know, cutlets that you get, you know, from the supermarket, where to source it, why that real chicken, traditionally bred for the table, might be a bit more expensive, but the meat-to-bone ratio is out of this world. So you've got great big supermarket chicken with great big bones because it needs them because it's produced in an environment where if it doesn't stand up, it's going to get trodden on. And so it needs strong big bones, whereas outdoor raised and then they are a bit more expensive but my god they're worth it you know and there's so much you can do with the chicken so I said right you know let's have a session on chicken let's show how what looks like a small you know modest chicken can serve a family of four for three days sorted it worked but my health condition my own you know arthritis stopped me from going down that path and then standing up because it was it's very physical you know and then over time <clears throat> people were coming and saying how can um, 
can you advise me on this? Can you advise me on that? And it's all about diet and health. And I thought, well, I'd like to train in this. So um, I did um, I did my training course in um, nutrition and lifestyle medicine health coaching in Ireland again. Became a health coach. And slowly and over time, stopped taking any medications. I don't, I take occasional, you know, maybe an aspirin or some paracetamol. Uh, but I don't take any, I was facing methotrexate, which is a, a chemotherapy um, a medication, which is life, it, well, you know, life doesn't really happen very well after methotrexate. And I couldn't have any more surgeries, I didn't want to have that. So I'm very happy to say that, you know, that my training and my understanding of real food has changed my life. And um, when I, uh, when we had the beginning of um, COVID, the uh, association was asking for volunteers to help uh, with some initiatives there. I put my hand up and they looked at my CV and, and asked me to come in as Director of Standards and Professional Development, uh, which I did with some trepidation. And um, subsequently, we brought in our current director, Faye Hall, who is wonderful and um, a hugely experienced lady with, um, you know, with a passion that equals mine for health coaching. And I, um, I moved into the CEOs into this seat, and I feel like I'm stuck here for 99% of my time. Um, and uh, that's that's what got me into it. What keeps me here is that vision the, and the knowledge that if you've trained as a health coach you know the power of it and the central importance of it in healthcare systems going forward so does that answer the question <laughs> it does and it makes me wonder so it's we're almost in 2024 so Let's say we've fast forward in, it's the year 2030. How do you hope things will have changed by then? I hope that the governments and the policy makers read our report, read our white paper, read towards um, a healthier, happier Britain, the case for health coaching. I think, I hope that they prioritise primary prevention. I hope that um, every individual, every professional who deals with people with health conditions and failing health understands the difference between giving treatment and giving hope and equipping people to become self-empowered architects, as Wagen Chatterjee would say, architects in their own health. Mm. I hope that we will have um, a younger population, young people, children. I hope health coaching will be in education all the way through. We know that, uh, you know, if you take a, a child before the age of whatever it is, nine, ten, and, you know, you can create very different mindsets so important to begin early so important to keep that throughout the system uh, throughout the the life cycle so it's you know our we talk about whole health um 
throughout a lifetime. And that's what I would hope to see, that we take health creation seriously. We move from that reactive model of waiting till everyone falls over and um, then trying to treat them and failing. And I suppose if I were to make a very bold statement, I hope that um, the politicians and the policy makers will look very carefully about into the process of lobbying, because we know that lobbyists have a very, very important and disproportional um, impact on political decision making. We know that the wider determinants and the particularly now the commercial determinants of health um, manipulate people's decisions and people's mindsets and that has to stop. So I would like to see that really, really take very aggressively and and I know that we will get support for that Um, and and more and more of us are calling for it, not just within the association but in in political spaces. So let's hope that we have uh, courage comes, you know, courage comes and, and we say Actually, as doctors, as politicians, as, um, as, as physicians, as teachers, at every level, we stand for people. We stand for people's health and for health improvements and for health creation. And you watch, you know, it's a, it will be a different world. So that's what, that's the vision that we have, I think, or certainly that I have. I think my colleagues share it with me. I asked you just a few minutes ago about your your passion for health so i was wondering what is there can you think of a book that's really moved you for any reason um well i can actually um i so when i got back from ireland um and realized quite the state of the food that most people were eating um, and had been eating for decades, and the kind of food and the prep, you know traditional preparation growing techniques that I'd experienced in Ireland, which really opened my eyes. And this is not artisan; it's not fancy artisan, you know, stuff. It's actually traditional ways of uh, growing and producing food, which retain the health and the nutrition that was so available to our grandparents and theirs and, and our ancestors. Um, it moved me to think, well, I, I kept writing recipes for people and I thought, you know, I could write a recipe book. And then I thought, actually, uh, we need a book about real food. And so I did write one of my own, uh, which I just have to have here because it's always on my desk to remind me that, you know, this is the reason why I'm... Um, uh, you know, I'm here. So it's the real food solution. And, and it is a treasury of wisdom, for energy, vitality, and better health for you and your planet. And this book um, is some three, 400 pages long. It looks at why the food we're eating isn't what it used to be. It looks at what we can do about that as individual consumers by becoming more conscious consumers. And it gives 40, 50 recipes for creating um, 
delicious nutritious dishes it, it's um it looks at every food group it's not a, a book on nutrition although it has been endorsed by uh, BANTS, the um, British um, Association for Nutrition and Lifestyle Medicine uh, and it is all of the profits go to um, the British Association for Holistic Medicine and Healthcare, uh, BHMA, to their Real Food campaign, uh, with which I am I'm on one of the uh, one of the people on the steering group and an active supporter, and I was a trustee of BHMA, and so um, I that for me is the book that changed my life, that's made the deepest impression, not only because of what led up to writing it but during the course of writing it it just reinforced my um, my commitment to helping people understand that real food starts in the soil it's nurtured in the kitchen and whether we eat it if we are eating real food that is properly grown without all the pesticides and insecticides and every other side, then we're not damaging the planet. We're not polluting waterways. We're not doing the stuff that is, you know, being done now. So it it preceded, um, you know, ultra-processed people. It preceded Mark Hyman's commentary. Actually, just, I managed to, you know, uh, uh, actually published mine just before Mark Hyman did on his, um, very similar, but his kind of much more political space this book is focused for people everybody people out there please you know read it enjoy it and learn from it and actually make changes so it changed my life it's changed i know from feedback um from people who have bought the book and from others who have endorsed it as a you know as a, as a useful um tool really uh, it's changing their lives, and um, I hope if any of your readers, uh, you know, are minded to go and have a look at it, that it will change their lives and the way that they see food. And we know ultra-processed food; we don't need to know any more about it. Real food is the opposite of that, yeah. and people think it's too hard. It's not. Well, we'll include that within the links, you know, in the show notes, and. I mean, also, I'd like to include your... How can people find out about you, your sort of social media and, and so on? Okay, so, um, well, we're all over social media. So uh, we're on um, uh, w, uh, com. We're on uh, we're on all the social channels. So please look, you know, just uh, Google, uh, uh, put uh, UK Health Coaching Association... Or UK and International Health Coaching Associate all comes into Google and we'll share the links in your um, notes, in your show notes. So yeah, please reach out and uh, get in touch with me if you've got questions and the team is loves to talk to everybody and share our excitement about this wonderful profession and this wonderful discipline. So yeah, please do reach out um, and always... Open open for conversations well i'll also put the links into the webinars you mentioned i'll put those links in the show notes as well so for anyone listening who is interested in those just just check the show notes and you can uh, sign on to those thank you so just before we finish isabella is there um can you think of a quotation that resonates with you 
Um, well, funnily enough, um, uh, in the paper, in the white paper towards um, a healthier, happier Britain, case for health coaching, um, I have, I looked at lots of quotes uh, that could be relevant to different um, chapters, if you will, in the paper. And I love that device of using quotations, which I've used in, you know, the, in the Real Food Solution. Um, the one that, and, and there are some wonderful ones, but the one that really kind of stuck with me because it's simple and very powerful and it really does epitomise what that white paper is about and the, the kind of guiding principle that I believe all health coaches have in investing in their own training because they see it. And I'd like to say it's a quote by David Bowie called, the future belongs to those that see it coming. That's a great quote, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it is, isn't it? You know, and, and, and actually let's, you know, let's hope the picture that I painted for you, one of your previous questions, actually, that is the future. Hmm. In a population of people who are self-empowered to participate in their own health, to create health and thrive in life and a health coach in every GP practice, in every healthcare practice in the private and public sector, in education, in the workplace, in communities, in the physical activity space, period. Well, and, and also that quote actually sums up the, the title of this podcast as well. It's uh, exactly what the whole, this podcast is all about. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. Smart guy, wasn't he, David Bowie? Absolutely, really? he was, yeah. Quite a wordsmith generally, but I just thought, oh God, you know, this, this quote is powerful. Hmm. So I've used it to end the um, conclude the white paper, really. Well, and you've also used it to conclude this podcast as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, Isabella, thank you for your time. Um, I really wish you the best of luck on your mission because it's a it's a, an amazing mission. And I, well, it's not that I hope you will get there. I know you will get there. So, um, yeah, best of luck on that. Yeah. Well, I've got a great team, and we work together, uh, and. You know, our team is fabulous, absolutely fabulous. And we are all equal in that team. Everybody contributes to everything. So, yeah, uh, we'll get there. And we have great support outside as well. And thank you for yours, Tony. No problem at all. Thank you, Isabella. Thank you. I'm thrilled to give you a tantalising taste of next week's very special season finale episode. For the first time ever, I'll be the guest while the charming Helena Holwick, a past guest from four years ago, takes the reins as host. We'll be reminiscing about my fascination with health and delving deeply into the origins of my passion for empowering people to proactively optimize their well-being. Helena will be probing me on my background, interests, and what drives me to keep shining a spotlight on living life fully through enhancing health span. I'll also be unveiling some enticing insider insight 
into my vision for the forthcoming fifth series. The new series has the catchy title, 360 Degrees of Health Span, Optimizing Your Health from Every Angle. And we'll spotlight the various dimensions of the Wheel of Health model in bite-sized 10-minute episodes. Each installment will feature a laser focus on one area, along with an in-depth downloadable ebook companion guide full of practical tips and strategies. So be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and on the Art of Living Proactively YouTube channel so you don't miss this exciting new phase of the show. And please do leave us glowing reviews while you eagerly await next week's fleeting glimpse behind the scenes. Share this episode with health-conscious friends too. I appreciate you tuning in for the finale and can't wait to embark on Series 5's comprehensive quest to optimise health span through a 360-degree perspective.